Welcome to the Fairview Church Podcast. At Fairview Church, we are dedicated to reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. To find out more about our church, including service times, location, and current sermon series, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org. Well, we just got back from our vacation. Uh, when I was growing up, what vacation meant in the Wagner household was either trips to Wyoming or Kansas to see our family or tent camping in uh, Ohio and Indiana. And then I got married and vacation meant something different to my wife's family. And so they go to the beach and uh, we are thankful for that. But beyond that, uh, what I am thankful for this morning is it's been a year since my surgery and just everything that happened and how God worked so powerfully through the battle with cancer that I went through and shared with you all. And so it was a striking opportunity to sit a year later thinking about last year when we were going on our trip and I was pushed through the airport on a wheelchair, in a wheelchair to this year, uh, being able to walk through carrying, you know, the 4,000 things that you bring when you take your children anywhere, but certainly to the beach. And so my brother-in-law was thankful that I was able to help carry things this year. But just an incredible experience just to think about the past year and to think about God's goodness to me, to my family, and really in this moment to remember how God used this passage of scripture that we just recited, Psalm 23, so powerfully in my life. The days and the hours leading up to the surgery that I went through and all that I experienced, this passage was just in my mind and I was just reciting it over and over and it became part of my reality. The way that I saw the hospital, the way that I saw all that was taking place was through the lens of Psalm 23 and God really worked to show me that he actually is my shepherd. And so as we sang these songs, this freedom from fear that God has delivered us, that he has with us. All of these things are true in our minds. There's things that we believe conceptually, but then there are these, these moments in time where they actually become your reality, where you actually see the world through this lens. And that was something that God did through that season. And I believe that the Lord has brought me back to this passage a year later as we've been studying through John chapter six, we've been moving through the gospel of John. And as I've been studying John, I've shared with you the fact that the words that we find in John five and six are not entirely new. They are John looking back at what? The Old Testament. There's, there's an earlier part of your Bible, the Hebrew scriptures. And what John is doing, he's taking these Old Testament passages, these passages from the Hebrew scriptures, and he is showing how Jesus is fulfilling them. And he is showing how they apply to those who are followers of Jesus. And so as we've been moving through John chapter five, 
in John chapter 6, we've been seeing how the, the theme of a shepherd is at the core of what John is writing. That there are bad shepherds. And this is looking back at Ezekiel 34 and 35, where God pointed out the bad shepherds, the leaders of Israel, who were actually not taking care of the sheep, the people of God, were not providing for the sheep, the people of God, but were preying on the sheep. That God had to rescue his sheep, think about this, from the mouths of the shepherds. And so John is showing us how certain portions of the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin are representing this Ezekiel 34 and 35 bad shepherd who are not caring for the needs of the people, but are instead loading them down with burdens. And Jesus comes as the fulfillment of this Ezekiel 34 and 35 good shepherd, the one who comes to actually bring freedom. He heals those who are sick. He brings freedom to those who are bound up and who are captives. And now as we move into John chapter 6, we begin to see the shepherd theme, not only against the bad shepherds of Ezekiel 34, but the good shepherd of Psalm 23. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to show all of the connections, but we see that Jesus is the good shepherd. We see that in the face of Passover, in the background of Passover that John sets up chapter 6 with, that, that Moses was a shepherd, that God worked alongside Moses to deliver his people. And we just sang about splitting the waters and leading us to freedom. That's a, a Passover image. And God worked through Moses to shepherd his people Israel out of slavery in Egypt and to lead them ultimately to his provision of life. God would feed the people with manna, and he would provide for the people's needs. And this is what Jesus now is doing. He is fulfilling both the role of Moses and of Yahweh Elohim. That now Jesus comes, and where does he lay the sheep down early in John chapter 6? These, these people who are like sheep without a shepherd, who have come out into the wilderness to follow Jesus up onto the mountainside. Where does he have them lay down? In green pastures. And he feeds them. When the disciples go out on the water, and I know I'm looking back at the past several sermons, uh, but, but thinking about the disciples on the water, and they are in a place of chaos and death, the sea and the storm and everything that's unfolded. They are in the valley of the shadow of death. And yet, what does the good shepherd do? He comes to them across the waters. Just as the psalmist described God, Yahweh, de delivering the people as he walked across the waters in the Exodus. And he comes to them and he tells them to what? To not what? To not fear because I am with you. And this good shepherd, Jesus, leads the sheep to the calm waters. He leads them to the place of safety and provision. And in all of this, Jesus is, is reminding uh, us today, I believe through the scriptures, through his spirit, of the truth that he is our good shepherd. That he is the shepherd that God has sent to provide and to protect 
us. And so what does this mean? If, if Jesus is this good shepherd, again, the role both of Moses and of God being fulfilled in the person of Jesus, what does this mean for us? Well, first, it means that we can live lives of security. We quoted the, the English Standard Version of Psalm 23 because it's the one that's, that's most like what we know, being influenced by the King James Version. But actually, uh, the Christian Standard Version, which is what we typically use week in and week out, I think does a better job of helping us understand what verse 1 is actually saying. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. The Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. I'm going to ask us, we read the English Standard Version, can you recite this verse with me from the Christian Standard? The Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. Is that true? Do we have, <laughs> thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> Love that. A little bit late, but you came in strong. Now, this is where the actual experience of security comes. It's, it's not in simply believing or knowing the scriptures, but it's in actually trusting, actually having faith. And by the way, that's trust and faith are, are really the same thing. Actually trusting that the Lord is your shepherd, that you do have everything that you need, that you experience the security that he desires for us to have. You see, we all live by faith. We all live by trust in one thing or another. And it's not just with God, right? It's in all kinds of ways. You have faith that your car is going to get you home. Why do I know that you have faith in your car, that you trust in your car? Because if you didn't, you would be sitting here not listening to a word that I'm saying, trying to think about, how am I going to get home, <laughs> right? Who am I going to call? What am I going to do? How are we going to arrange so that I can get home? But the fact that you're not sitting here worrying about that, thinking about that, is evidence that you trust your car. To be your transportation. And, and so there's a way in which we experience trust. We experience faith all the time. And yet it is this faith in God. This trust in God's provision as your shepherd. Ultimately in Christ. That allows us to be free from these worries and these fears that would overtake us. When we read of lying down in green pastures and leading us beside still waters, what a shepherd would tell you is that those are things that sheep don't just do on their own. A sheep will not lie down until it is what? Full. It's when the sheep has eaten that it will lay down. And a sheep will not drink from choppy waters, stormy, raging waters. It is these calm waters that a shepherd has to lead a sheep to. So the picture that the psalmist is giving us is of a good shepherd who has provided for the needs of the sheep to the degree that they are now able to lie down, to rest, and to drink. 
And this leads to this picture of fear in verse four, that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And this fear reality is so present. And this is Dustin was, was talking about right now. We fear so many different things. Fear is such a part of our existence, of our world, of the conversations around us. And there is this fear that is based in what it is that we're trusting in. I I thought I had a dollar bill. I was looking in my wallet phone here. I don't. But what does it say on, on the money that we have? God we trust, right? Is that true? Or do we trust on the piece of paper on which those words are printed? It is in these moments when things like currency, financial security, whatever those realities are, that there's this sense of jeopardy that we actually see what we trust in. And the call that the scripture would give us is to not allow fear to control us. And, and this is where we really get in trouble. I think that this is where for me, in recent months uh, and weeks, I, I get into trouble is that I fear that it's, it's really not always needs that I have, but desires that I have for any number of things will not be met that I get into trouble. Do you ever have that experience? A fear that some either need, real need, or desire that you have will not be met, that that experience is what causes us to get into trouble (laughs) in different ways. And, And I don't think this is just me. I don't think it's just our current time because at the very beginning of our Bibles, the way the serpent works to tempt Eve is to tell her what? You need to provide for yourself, right? God is not coming through. He's not meeting your needs. You can't trust him. And so therefore you need to provide for yourself. You need to look out for yourself. And this is how, at the very base level, this is how temptation always works. There is a fear that God won't provide for our needs or our desires that causes us to just like Eve in the garden, just like me in so many instances to feel like we need to step in to provide for ourselves, to take charge. Dallas Willard writes, if we are going to live a life of abundant sufficiency in God, we must be focused and intentional in standing against the dreadful roots of the self life this life of drawing from the self and our efforts and our abilities. Until we have done that, we will be incapable of entering by faith into the life God longs to give us. There is a need that we have to be set free from what he calls this self-life. This life of seeking to provide all of our needs to to put everything into the right places. That freedom has to come in order for us to experience this life of 
satisfaction of having all that we need in our shepherd. And this is where we have to go from believing, and and hang with me here, functionally that we are our shepherd to remembering that we are actually sheep. Because the way that we live so often is as though we are our own shepherds. And the scriptures remind us, and I've I've said this many times in the past, that we are sheep. And the problem with sheep, they have a condition. It's a a 3D problem. They're dumb, defenseless, and delicious. And I appreciate that you guys still laugh at that. That is so gracious of you. But that is why a sheep needs a shepherd more than like any other animal. And that's why the scripture picks that. God picks that to remind us who we are. And we are not shepherds. And as long as we live as though we are shepherds, we will be anxious. Have you ever had a job that you really weren't qualified for? Have you ever had some responsibility that that honestly you couldn't handle? How does that feel? Right? You're anxious. You have uncertainty. And it doesn't go well. <laughs> and, and that's what we are unqualified for the job of being our own shepherd. We have to realize that I am not my own shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't have to take charge of my life and make everything work. I'm not capable of it. And as long as I continue trying to fulfill that job, I will be miserable and the people around me will be miserable And I will never live in freedom. And so this is this, our vision as a church is reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. It is this full surrender of our will, of our life, of outcomes, surrender of everything over to God as shepherd that is necessary for what Jesus describes as living in the kingdom of God. At the core, what Jesus teaches about the kingdom of God is living in a reality where God is father and king, and he is able and willing to provide for our needs. This is what we display in baptism. So we had a baptism last week, and we've had a few baptisms over the past few weeks. This picture of baptism is throwing ourselves entirely into the waters, this dying to self completely, and surrendering fully to Jesus, living a life of following and trusting him. And no longer living for ourselves, right? This, this picture of baptism is what we constantly have to be reminded of. This full surrender of every area of our lives to our shepherd. Well, secondly, not only can we live these lives of security fully and completely trusting in our shepherd, but we can live lives of service. Verse 5 says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now, what is this imagery? This imagery is this picture of of complete abundance, of God's provision in a way that's so full. Where is it that the table is prepared? This table of food and drink and and everything. So, you know, Dustin already talked about 4th of July parties. How many of you all smoke meat for 4th of July? Anybody? Smoke, no, okay, a couple. 
I'm, I'm so, my father-in-law has brought us into the world of smoked meat, and I'm so thankful for it, and I'm looking forward to it. But you think about a good meal, right? And that's what we do on these holidays. We celebrate by feasting, and there's this experience of provision. And God told his people in, in the Old Testament, right, to, to feast, have these times of feasting. And in these experiences of feasting, when you have a good meal, right, and, and you experience all of this, how do you feel afterwards, at least immediately? Right? You're at peace. You're at rest. Now, a couple hours later, <laughs> it may change. But there's this experience. And, and, and the idea of having a feast in the presence of your enemies, right in a place where naturally, think about that, naturally, if you lived back then and your enemies were out to kill you, are you going to have any peace over that meal? No, you're going you're gonna to constantly be in anxiety. But there's such a provision, there's such an abundance of God's provision for you that you're actually able to experience that right there. No matter what's going on around you, you can have that peace, you can have that fullness. And, and there's this abundance of your cup doing what? Overflowing, right? And again, this is something that we see picked up in John 6 with Jesus. But this abundance, this overflowing that God has provided so richly, so abundantly for you that it actually overflows. And I think the picture we're meant to see is that it overflows to the people around you. I think this sense of being so provided for, so full, so satiated that we're able to overflow to others is, is exactly what Jesus is going to demonstrate when he is preparing to give the Lord's Supper. There, there, we find in John chapter 13, verse 3, that Jesus knew, hear this, that the Father had given what? Everything. The Father had given everything, right? And, and everything means everything into his hands, that he had come from God, that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel and tied it around himself. And next he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. Now, last year, about this time, uh, a couple weeks before, the last sermon that I preached before I went uh, into surgery was, was this passage because the Lord had showed me so clearly this reality of the cancer of my own selfishness. And, that, and it was, I can't explain it all, but it was so clear that my biggest problem was not physical cancer. It was the cancer of selfishness. And the Lord was showing me how that's there. And, and by the way, I'm not cured of that yet. Reminded just this last week how not cured I am of the cancer of selfishness. But it is the problem. But the Lord showed this passage to me in a unique way. And I got up here and I, and I washed feet in both services. I washed Terry Kemp's feet uh, in one and I washed my father-in-law, Lane Martin's feet in another. Have you, has anybody ever had their feet washed? Right? There's churches that actually do this still. But there's something about it that is so humbling. And our feet, truthfully, aren't even dirty. <laughs> right? Compared to the first century, when people walked around and animals also walked around on the same streets and they didn't have work boots, you know. And so there were stinky things that got on their feet. 
This was the lowest, most menial job. You couldn't even make your servant do this. And yet Jesus did it. Why? Why? And I think this is where John is so helpful. Why is it that Jesus did this? How is it that he was able to, to serve in this humiliating, selfless way? Because he was so filled with the Father's provision of everything that he needed. Do you see that? He was so full of the reality that God, his father, had provided everything that he needed, that he came from God, he was going back to God. He had so much certainty, so much security, and in the father's love that he was able to kneel down and wash filthy feet. And this is this overflowing. And it is only when we are secure in God's love for us which ultimately Jesus showed not just by washing feet, but through what all that pointed to, which was Jesus going to the cross, taking on the filth of our sin upon himself, dying in our place, taking the punishment and the penalty for our sin so that we could be forgiven and washed and cleansed and filled with the spirit and given new life. And and all of that is something that is to be what we see for how we direct our lives. That God's provision for us is meant to lead to an overflowing in service to others. That we too, as followers of Jesus, are able to get on our knees and wash feet and serve others. And by the way, the cancer of selfishness is universal. (laughs) We all have it. But this process of serving is the way that actually brings us freedom from that. And it it is in this way that we actually experience Christ's presence with us. And, and, and this is something that I want to see because this is not, I'm not just telling you to try harder and to go out there and to do more. I'm saying that Jesus has invited you to partner with him in the work that he is doing right here and right now. That it is this this life with him that he has invited us into. We're going to jump ahead a couple verses to Psalm 23, verse 6, if we can. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So this life of security that I believe is, is at the very core of what Jesus wants for us. He wants us to be people who no matter what is going on around us, when we're surrounded by our enemies, when everything around us looks like it's on fire, right? When all of the natural reactions are to be overwhelmed and fearful and anxious, that we in spite of all that, are still able to have this security. That we're still able to have this sense of God's abundance and provision that he's with us, right? This trust in God. That we are able to, not only not to to run into all of these ways of handling and managing fears and anxieties, but that we're actually able to serve others, to love others, And the only way we can do this is if we know that God is truly with us. The only way we can live a life of security or service is knowing 
that he is with us in this, that we are joining with him in this work. Jesus says in Matthew 28, 20, and remember, I am all with you always to the end of the age. And, and this is where I want us to, to kind of close our time because, because my desire for us as a church, and I've shared, we've shared this vision for 2022, is that we would not just be people who serve others, but that we would become servants like King Jesus. That we would be those who are the, the, the people of the Tao, the people who are known by being so secure and so filled up with God's love and his provision that we are able to serve others, that that love overflows from us to others. And so my hope for us as a church is that we would be people who who are defined in that way, that we are able to serve in 2022, 2000, uh, I think we have the, the image here, 22,000 hours, and, and this is just a way of measuring this, in our spheres of impact, right? And, and so we've said that there are these three spheres of impact so that we would take the presence of Christ with us everywhere we go. And that would include our homes, the people who are around us in our homes and the the people right around us in our neighborhood, in our church family so that we would serve the needs of others here in our church family, and then ultimately in our community, that we would be this presence of Christ, that we would bring the towel along with Christ into the needs of our community. And that goal ultimately would allow us to, to be this expression of Christ. And so we are moving into what we're going to call the summer of impact. And we're, for the sake of time, I'm not going to share all of this this morning. But we want to invite you at the close of this summer and leading into the fall to join us in opportunities to focus on the, so there's the home sphere, the church sphere, but the sphere of our community and to serve in some specific ways in our community, in, in the needs of the community around us. And again, we'll be sharing in, uh, opportunities for you to do that. But as we're moving into this next phase of the year, we want to move as servants into the sphere of impact of our community. But again, I want to return. I'm going to ask uh, the lollies, if you're here, to come on up. I want to return to the message that I think has to, has to start on this because the last thing that I want is just to weigh you down. The bad shepherds in John 5, what did they do to the people, the sheep? They just weighed them down. <laughs> they just burdened them with stuff. And that was, that was not being good shepherds. And I don't want to be that, right? I don't want to just load you up. That's the last thing that I want. Because that's not freedom. Just as, that's what we, you know, we, we talk about freedom. And I'm so thankful for the freedoms that we have as a nation. But there's a lot of ways in which we're not free. We don't live in freedom. Because the freedom to do whatever we want to do, however we want to do it, whenever, is actually not freeing. <laughs> right? And so I want us to be people who live these lives of actual freedom through Christ. These lives of true freedom through full surrender to Jesus. And the only way that we can do this 
is when we have fully surrendered our hearts and our lives to Jesus. When we've recognized we are, you're not the shepherd, right? Jesus is the shepherd, you're the sheep. You need to trust that he knows how to lead you. He knows how to guide you. He knows how to provide for your needs. The Bible tells us that God has provided everything that you need, that I need for life and godliness in Christ. God has provided us with what? Everything. So maybe, maybe you're going through a battle with cancer. I don't know. I know we have folks that are. Right, maybe that's you this morning. And the good shepherd, Jesus, speaks to you with his authority by his spirit. And he says, you have everything that you need in me. Now, that's just going to be something that you hear me say until you actually believe it. But do you believe that? That in Christ, you have everything that you need. For that journey, that that no matter what it is that you're facing, no matter what the difficulty is that you're going through this morning, that in Christ you have everything that you need, that you can live in this security of his love, of his provision, and that you can go out, right, into the community as an expression of that love, that your cup overflows to others, that ultimately you would point them Not to yourself or not to this church, but to who? To the good shepherd. When you see sheep that are lying down in green pastures, when you see sheep that are drinking the still, gentle waters, what do you know? You know they have a good shepherd. And when people see that in us, it gives us an opportunity to point us to our good shepherd and to call them to follow him too. Father, we thank you that you are our good shepherd. You have not left us as sheep without a shepherd. You've not left us hopeless and helpless. You've not left us to be slaves to fear. You've not left us to be slaves to worry over any outcome or any situation. But you have delivered us through Christ. You've given us freedom through his life and his death and his resurrection and his spirit living in and among us. And Lord, we long to be people who live in freedom, in in this true freedom. That we would be an expression of your love and your goodness and your provision to the people around us. We desire to bring glory to you, King Jesus. And so we pray that, that you would help us to do that. That by your spirit, you would actually Enable us to trust that in you we have everything that we need. That there is nothing to fear because you have overcome this world. You have overcome death itself. And so would you give us that freedom? If there's anyone here who doesn't have that, they've never trusted in Jesus, would you allow them by your spirit to come to that trust, that surrender to him? And so Lord, now we ask that you would work in and move among us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll be in the prayer room over to the side. If there's anything you need prayer for, I'll be glad to pray with you. Thank you for listening to the Fairview Church podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org.